gather this morning, one week before Easter Sunday, we gather here today for what is known as Palm Sunday. We're a little over 2,000 years ago, there in Jerusalem, every Jew that had been scattered all across the nation of Israel were converging. They, they were seeking out their pilgrimage to the city of Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, literally meaning the city of peace. For a time during the season of spring where they would converge on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, celebrating the Passover feast. Celebrating this time where they remember and, and celebrate what God did in the Old Testament and, and providing a Passover lamb to hold back the angel of death from their households. Should the blood of a pure and spotless lamb be spilled and spread over their doors and over their homes. But this morning on, on Palm Sunday, that was the very first day of that original Holy Week that happened over 2,000 years ago. We're at the beginning of that week. A series of events began to unfold in radical and undeniable fashion that changed the hopeless condition of humanity for all eternity. So as we gather here this morning on this Palm Sunday, in a little different fashion than our mispresentation of our walk through Ephesians, as we gather here this morning on Palm Sunday, I don't want you to miss the reality of that phrase I just expressed. A little over 2,000 years ago, at the outset of that original beginning of Holy Week, a series of events began to unfold in radical and undeniable fashion that changed the hopeless condition of all humanity for all eternity. As we gather here weekly, that's part of our prayer, that God would show himself faithful as we gather as believers, as members and visitors, as believers and those who are considering or are curious about the faith. That God would show up in similar fashion, showing himself faithful in undeniable, radical ways, changing our lives from a hopeless condition, fully restored, fully transformed, having hope for all eternity. What it looked like there on that original Palm Sunday was something that I was actually spoken about more than 400, 500 years before it ever actually happened. See, that's part of God's fashion of doing things, of, of confirming he really is what he says he is, and he really offers what he says he offers. This follower of God in the Old Testament named Zechariah, Zechariah with an E, I'm trying to pronounce it properly. He was a man of God, he was a prophet of God, he was literally a mouthpiece of God that God used to speak to the world around him about things that God would do toward redemption, toward moving on behalf of humanity to change their hopeless condition for all eternity. In an undeniable, radical fashion, God spoke through Zechariah, we have it recorded in Zechariah 9-9, of something that would play out at the beginning of that Holy Week on Palm Sunday. Zechariah 9.9, nine, I've got mine bookmarked because it's hard to find those minor prophets, isn't it? There's nothing unholy about looking at the table of contents to find some of the minor prophets in Scripture. 
And this is what Zechariah said in chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. See, the prophet Zechariah, this is more than 400 years before Jesus was ever born into this world as the only begotten, fully God, fully man, to, to carry out the perfect plan of redemption. And God spoke through Zechariah to the nation of Israel and said, Rejoice, you followers of Yahweh. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. So he's saying, hey, there may have been plenty of seasons to be downcast and to be discouraged, but behold, the king is coming. There's, there's cause for rejoicing. The king is coming, so he's coming with the authority of God the Father and what he is bringing and offering to all creation is a way of deliverance. A way of being saved from the hopeless, broken condition that you know life to be in this broken planet. And taking you to a place where you can be totally transformed in relationship with him. Being used for his glory only and always for your own good. Isn't that incredible? He doesn't save you just for his own glory, but he saves you in a way for his renown and elevating himself because he's truly God and worthy of it. But as believers, people coming in and accepting him as personal king and savior, have the assurance that the use of your life for his glory in relationship with him will only and always be for the best good imaginable for you. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He's righteous. He has salvation. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a colt. The foal of a donkey. The king's coming. And let me clarify exactly what it's going to look like when he comes so you don't miss him. He's not going to come like some strong war general, militant commander in arrogance and condemnation on the back of a stallion, but he is going to be riding lowly, meek, and gentle, and compassionate, and gracious, and righteous on the back of a baby donkey. And just as Zechariah the prophet in chapter 9, verse 9, spoke about, just as it is recorded nearly half a millennia before it ever happened, it then really happened. We know in the beginning, that original Palm Sunday, Jesus' disciples went and found this baby donkey to fulfill the prophecies and, and brought him in. He'd never been ridden. And Jesus, as king, as lion of Judah, sent to first do the work of a sacrificial lamb, mounted the un, unridden baby donkey, and rode lowly down the Mount of Olives, that, that beautiful hillside on the east side of Jerusalem, just across Kidron Valley. And as he rode down the, the passageway there on the back of a donkey, Thousands upon thousands in the crowd, men, women, and children, Jews, Gentiles alike, saw this man coming, fulfilling this prophecy from 400 years prior, and took palm branches broken from the trees, laid them down before him, took their own garments from their shoulders, and laid them before the king who is coming. Physically demonstrating this humility, physically demonstrating surrender to the king worthy of their allegiance. And although the physical surrender was enough, 
They audibly articulated these declarations of Jesus' divinity. In their Hebrew tongue, it, it would have sounded like this, Hoshia na, Hoshia na, throwing down the palm branches, removing their garments and laying before the king, Hoshia na, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. The king is here, Hoshia na. It comes from Psalm 118. So this Palm Sunday at the original outset of Holy Week, Psalm 118, verse 25. I don't have that bookmarked. It's usually a little easier to find in the Psalms. This is another aspect of God's showing up in undeniable and radical fashion. Because this was a phrase from hundreds of years prior as well in the book of Psalms, chapter 118, 25. Where it says, save us. We pray, O Lord. But if you were to pull out your original Hebrew manuscripts from your back pocket, a.k.a. your device, and look up the Hebrew languages um, app that you can easily download for free, it would say, Hoshia Na. Hoshia, save us, Lord. And the Na, not mean negative, not mean nope, no thanks. Na means please. It's a prayerful Submission, Hoshiana, save us, please, Lord. Oh, Lord, we pray, give us success. Psalm 118, 25, Hoshiana, save us, Lord, please. And then hundreds of years in the future, on that original Palm Sunday, here comes Jesus on the back of a colt, palm branches and garments being laid before him. And the cries are just the same. Hoshia na, Hoshia na. But what's so amazing about the heartbeat of these cries, the sentiment has radically and undeniably been transformed. No longer are they crying and requesting, save us, Lord, please. But they recognize in radical and undeniable fashion, the king in his righteousness has come just as the prophet spoke of it. So instead of saying, Hoshia na, save us, please, they shout out, Hoshia na, and it's this declaration, this affirmation of truth. The Lord is saving us. Salvation is here. Hosanna in the highest. Praise be to God. And though you're just staring with no emotion or transformation of face, I trust in the, the overwhelming nature of your heart, you are just rejoicing to that reality. Amen? We're no longer in our hopeless condition, hoping to be saved, begging and pleading for the Creator to save us. But we know in radical and undeniable fashion, Hoshiana, the King has come. And the Lord has saved. He's got this. And while we joint this service together in a fashion of Palm Sunday and the table of grace is because just as excited as we are in shouting, the Lord saves. How rich, how strengthening it is to be reminded and to reflect on just how God himself saved us from our hopeless condition. God himself, perfect, the Lamb of God, willingly allowed his body to be broken, though he deserved it not. Willingly allowed his blood to be spilled on the wooden beams of the cross at Calvary, though he deserved not. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. Our sin earns us 
death as a sinner hanging as a curse to the utmost level of humiliation, but God himself took it instead. She and I, the Lord saves and we rejoice. And so today we come to the table of grace and we remember and we rejoice. We reflect and and we repent on how our, our lives don't line up with that reality. And then we rejoice some more because God doesn't leave us where we were, but he transforms us in undeniable and radical fashion. So what we're going to do now is we're going to um, come to a time where I want to pray over us. And we're going to invite you as believers during this next song. Pastor Garrett's going to come up during my prayer and he's going to sing a song of truth over us. And as believers in our midst, if you have professed Jesus as Savior and Lord, if you believe according to the scriptures that he lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, and on the third day he raised from the dead, and you have made him your personal Lord and Savior, you're invited during this next song to walk forward alongside other brothers and sisters and and take of this single cup and take it back to your seat or or take it um, kneeling here at the altar and, and take a moment under this next song to reflect on truly how the king has saved us. Scripture tells us we're to prepare our hearts in taking of these elements as a reminder and a reflection in an appropriate way. And so if you have any unconfessed sin, take this opportunity as you come to the table as a believer. Take the elements, hold on to them, don't consume them just yet, and kneel at this altar. Or go back to your seat and just just pray there in your chair while Pastor Garrett's singing over us and, and confess Areas of your life that that don't line up with the reality of salvation that the king has afforded you. Maybe there's a brother or sister in here that you've offended or maybe you're holding something against. You need to go to them during this next song and just say, hey, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Hey, there's something I've been holding on to in my life and that before we take of these elements together and celebrate the unity that Jesus provides us, I need to share something with you. I am sorry. Would you forgive me? So I'm going to pray for us. And on this Palm Sunday 2022, we're going to reflect, we're going to remember just how Christ our Savior accomplished the everlasting reality of Hoshiana. The Lord has saved us. I invite you where you're at, if you would bow your head and close your eyes, and let's go to the Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that 2,000 years ago plus, in undeniable and radical ways, you changed the hopeless condition of all humanity for all eternity. Yes, that is cause for rejoicing, so we do just that. We have done just that, God. And it's been our prayer that these songs of worship and our, our broken spirits before you in song and, and action and, and humility, we pray that they've been pleasing to you and honoring to you. And now, Father, we pray that as we humble ourselves before the table of grace, in this very public and corporate fashion as the bride of Christ, Would you show yourself faithful? Would you show yourself faithful? For those of us here who are believers, not bound by religious rituals or denominational lines, but those of us who are here who have professed faith on the life, death, 
burial and resurrection of Jesus as personal Savior and Lord. As we come to your table of grace, would you overwhelm us with all you've done for us and overwhelm us with all you desire in our lives. And God, please, if there's someone here who is holding an offense or a grudge against another, would you kick them in the teeth, causing them to realize they are hindering your spirit in this place? And rather than being ashamed or embarrassed to confess, would you show them the freedom and the joy in finding a brother and sister, even if it's me, Lord? we might humble ourselves to the freedom of your spirit in this place. Give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray.